stand and sing this morning. again now. sing it again now with all our hearts. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised and adored. And so we lift our holy hands in one accord. Sing and bless it. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. We bless His name this morning. Hallelujah. Are you happy to be here? Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Just counted a privilege to be with you all. Amen. We welcome you to service. Amen. It's just it's just wonderful to gather in His name and lift Him up to give Him the glory He deserves. Amen. And that's what I live for. I hope that's your desire. Amen. <clears throat> Why don't we sing that song, Fill My Cup, Lord? Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Oh, come and quit. Of my soul, bread of heaven, oh, feed me till I want no more. Here's my cup. Oh, 
Once again now, sing it with me. ourselves out, pour everything out on the altar, amen, and let him take control this morning, amen. Let's sing that song, Bless the Lord, O My Soul, 10,000 Reasons. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, I worship his holy name, and sing like never before oh my soul I worship your holy name and the sun comes up it's a new day dawning and it's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me let me be singing when the evening comes and bless the Lord oh my soul oh my soul, I worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name, and You're rich in love. name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness 
I will keep on singing Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find Come on, sing now Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul Oh, my soul I worship His holy name My time has come, still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years and then forevermore. Glory, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh. My soul, I'll worship your holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship your holy name. Yes, I will worship your holy name. Oh, I will worship your holy name. Hallelujah. Man, do you love him? Hallelujah. We're going to change the order of our service at this time. Good morning, everyone, and God bless you. Welcome to our service this morning from broadcasting from Virginia. And uh, we welcome all of you in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's certainly uh, an honor to be able to gather together. I realize this is not a service. I, you know, I realize that this is not, uh, you know, the best way uh, to do things. I am thankful though, that we have an opportunity to have just this little Bible study here before, uh, before the rest of the day and uh, to be able to study together, pray together, and uh, greet one another. So just pull in and uh, got some things that I just wanted to share with you that were on my heart and uh, just wanted to try to encourage you a little bit today. Uh, goodness, we, we all are in need of a little encouragement, that's for sure. And I um, just wanted to bring you greetings from the family up here and I wanted to say I appreciated uh, the many, many comments and notes that were sent in relation to Sister Becky. Uh, she's still not feeling well. Um, for those of you that uh, have experience with this, you know the, the, the stages and uh, it's certainly been um, a tough week for all of us and dealing with Brother Fulcher, he's at home and uh, we're thankful for that. Um, just resting and recuperating and um, being looked after there. So we appreciate that very much. But uh, for Sister Becky, we would ask you to continue to remember her in prayer and all the others that are going through 
the struggles with the virus. There's many, many that we know, many believers that we know, and uh, we want to continue to remember them. Also as well, Sister uh, Caroline Jackson, uh, Sister Tracy Rabin wrote to me last night, she's doing better, and uh, we appreciate that. And um, we just want to go before him in prayer. But uh, as we begin this morning, let's, uh, let's take a reading from the scripture uh, before we read. And we want to go back to this little uh, title here, the press around us. And let's, um, let's pick it up here in part five. And I want to read in Philippians chapter three. So if you have your Bible and um, you want to follow me here, I, I just want to say as you're turning, I, I just was really blessed on Wednesday night. Uh, Brother Aaron Nangamaza and uh, the service, I just uh, just had so many good comments and, and lots of good feedback. I really uh, was blessed in listening to it, and uh, I really appreciated that, Brother Aaron. And um, for those of you that uh, were inspired, sometimes that's just uh, such a timely thing to hear that, uh, you know, there is a big picture, and, and we do need to stand back and look at it because you can be swallowed up in the details of things and miss the miss the purpose, miss the point. And if it's all right, I'd, I'd like to piggyback a little bit on the idea this morning uh, that Brother Aaron touched on, and just trust that this will be a little encouragement because we're all aware of the press around us, and so we want to be able to navigate correctly, and we want to be able to interpret uh, the events around us correctly. So in Philippians chapter three, let's read a. Very familiar passage here. Brethren, Paul says, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have this morning to be able to come together and Lord, even though we are uh, limited in just not being able to get together today in our church, we are still a part of the church of the living God, and we know that you're omnipresent and you're able to bless and minister and teach each one of us, Lord, in our homes and in our environment where we are. I just commit the people to you, Lord. I pray for their needs, and there are many, many needs among us, and I, I don't think that will ever cease as long as we are in this world and in these bodies. We pray especially today for those who are sick and those who are grieving, those who are uh, hurting today and calling upon you. We lift them up before your throne of grace and mercy today. And Lord, may your healing virtue flow to each one. We just want to say we love you and we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have to be able to study together and to meet together, Lord, even if it's in this fashion. And we just thank you, Lord, for all those who are in attendance today. May you just have your way. Speak to our hearts, Lord. We commit our time into your hands, Lord. Make it profitable, I pray. Make it useful for us and help us, Lord, to be dear hearers and doers of the word. And may we just be inspired, Lord, I pray, to move a little higher. We commit our time into your hands now and ask for your blessing and your anointing in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. All right, let me give you uh, just a, a little uh, preamble here and a little announcement. Here's a quotation that I wanted to uh, give, and I, I never found this quote until this week. Uh, in the message called Expectation, Brother Branham's Prayer, he says, O Lord, uh, o, o come, Lord Jesus, and help me tonight to press and spread this gospel around the world so you can come. 
you cannot come according to your word until all the world has heard the gospel. And I pray you will hasten the day, Lord, that when all the world is present shall hear the gospel, sin and sorrow, pain and death of this dark world shall cease. Till then, give us grace, give us vision, give us power to bring the gospel to the people. I'm so glad I found that quote. That's just been a great inspiration for me this week. And uh, uh, I, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to be able to spread the, the message, be able to print it and spread it and see the testimonies coming in. Now, let me share a little something with you here that uh, is new for us. Uh, this is Brother Isaac, one of the missionaries in central Tanzania. He's out there actually uh, on the very western side of Tanzania. So this is bordering Malawi and uh, Congo and Uganda up in that area and uh, in Lake Victoria side. And uh, they have successfully had a broadcast up there. Uh, and they normally pay $50, $50 for 30 minutes. And they mention, um, they mention a phone number. And uh, whenever the people respond to the phone number or to the broadcast and they, they, the brothers will get on there because they don't have brother Branham in Swahili and the local ministers and brother Isaac. And sometimes they'll take recorded sermons from the other brothers and, uh, they will broadcast those and then put a phone number there and have some people respond to that. Um, I didn't, uh, I was unaware of this until this week and, uh, brother Elias says has been very successful. And I said, Wow, if, if that's successful and a good way to reach the people in one area, why don't we expand uh, that area? And then I said to him, why don't we help with that uh, cost if, if they would like us to do that? And so he, they're investigating now a broader range uh, of the broadcast, and uh, I would like to be able to cover that cost. I don't know if anybody would like to do that and have that uh, blessing to be able to cover that cost for them. Uh, I, th I just think that's a worthy cause. That's great. And, and in that part of the world, that kind of a broadcast is really good. And you can see the results of it here. Uh, here's a, a young man being baptized, and he's one who received the message or received uh, knowledge of the message over the waves and then got in contact with the local ministers over there. Uh, here's another uh, young lady who is baptized as well. And this is Brother Isaac. Uh, he's one of the ministers that we uh, support. And uh, baptizing another sister over there. And uh, just, you know, it's just marvelous to see uh, the efforts there. And I told him, I said, hey, we would be interested in helping out and promoting this and, and just uh, encouraging the ministers there. And uh, then now they have Bibles and books to be able to give to people and they can have a have their own Bible and, and study in the church age book and, um, you know, other messages and be able to follow through. So, uh, this is, uh, to me, this is exciting. And I, 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 I just pray that as brother Branham said back here, uh, you know, he said, Lord, give us the, uh, grace and vision and the power to bring the gospel to the, to the people. So whatever way we can, let's do it. And whatever way is possible, let's, uh, let's explore those ways because, um, I'm interested in leaving. I don't know about you, but I'm interested in leaving. Now, um, I'd like to dwell on this topic here today, but before I do, um, just uh, just to be very gracious here, Sister Madeline Irish, uh, I did not put your picture up here like I put Joe's picture up here last week, but this week is Sister Madeline's birthday. She's the only one having a birthday this week, and we pray that God will richly bless you, and uh, hope you're listening this morning, 
and uh, may the Lord give you a wonderful year this year, better than the year behind you, and uh, just trust that uh, your day will be blessed on your birthday. Now, <clears throat> let's turn to this uh, thought of the press around us. I I spent a lot of time this week uh, actually on uh, on my phone. Whenever whenever we go through things, either in the church or the family, we have, you know, it, it, your phone is obviously your means of communication many times with people. And uh, I, I would take a, maybe, uh, you know, so many hours in the day just forwarding messages to Sister Becky just to encourage her. Uh, and I'm talking about messages from all over the world in New Zealand, South Africa, and Europe, and Canada, and the U.S., and I mean just everywhere. And uh, it's just been such an encouragement to her to have those uh, messages conveyed. But um, I had a, a brother who um, lives here in the States, and he wrote me. He said, uh, this seems certainly to be a season when the enemy is uh, trying to come in like a flood. And he said, uh, you know, in, in many different ways, but he said, especially in the mental area. And what we, I, I, I thought about that and I, I found that, my goodness, that's really true, that uh, there are many people who are, have just an increasing amount of stress in, in, their, in their life and in their, um, just in their minds because of uh, the times that we live in. And, and that's a press, that's a pressure. And so I want to, um, you know, I just want to keep that in mind today. And uh, it seems like almost when you go back and look and, and research, you find Brother Branham's talking about things that are very, very pertinent to our time. Uh, it's amazing how, how accurate and how timely his statements are. And this is a message called uh, Letting Off the Pressure in 1962. I want to take a text tonight that comes to mind on the subject of letting off the pressure. And I thought that would be very appropriate. There's so much pressure everywhere, and everybody seems to be under a pressure. What's the matter? He said, everything, it's a day of pressure. <clears throat> now, let me give you just a couple of quick <clears throat> slides here. Brother Branham said, and I want to drop this in here because <clears throat> it, this is really important for us to keep in mind. All right, This is really important for us to, to kind of put in your back pocket and just hold on to this statement here. Because it, to me, it is a very hopeful one. And Brother Bam was talking about the ark and how the Holy Spirit guides us. <clears throat> Excuse me. He said, what was the ark? He said it was the word. Don't travel your denominational roots now. He said, stay behind the word. Or don't travel your own roots and your own pathways. He said, just stay right behind the word because you haven't passed this way before. And that's really true. The word will lead you across. Because the word is Christ. Christ is God and God is the Holy Ghost. Let me say it again. The word will lead you across. The word is sufficient to lead you across. The word has everything you need to lead you across. And let me say this. The person of the word, which is Christ, knows the way. He knows the way to his own house. Therefore, trust in him. The word will lead you across. Stay behind the word. Yes, sir. Stay with that guide. Don't get in front of it. Stay behind it. Let it lead you. Don't you lead it. Joshua said, now, you've never passed this way before. You know nothing about the road. I, if we had time, we could look at how the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River in the times of uh, Joshua. And there was a very definite and specific order 
about going across the river and the the priesthood went first with the ark and then the tribes in their order and all the rest of it and don't get ahead of it you stay behind it and let it lead you and he said it will bring you to the right place and so that's a great comfort i want you to hold on to that quote and uh, keep it, maybe put it on your fridge, and uh, just just remember that one. I appreciate your amens that are coming in. It's really, really great to to have these um, this morning. Now uh, let's let's just let's just deal with this question of why. Why why are things the way they are in in the world? And you know, I I often do this and just kind of sit down. And I think about this. Well, there's a couple of obvious things. One is that we're living at the end of one thing. In the beginning of something else. Now, we can easily identify it's the end of the Gentile times. We know that, and we have enough teaching on that. But there's a, there's a certain amount of uncertainty and even anxiety about what's next and where we're going. Um, even though even though we, we know everything good lays ahead of us, there's still a certain amount of apprehension about making those steps. Secondly, there's a judgment cycle that's operating in the earth and that judgment cycle really has nothing to do with us as the bride of Christ, but it's there nonetheless. And you're living right alongside where all of this is happening. So in a sense, you're very much a party to or a witness to uh, the decline of the world, the demise of the world. And with it, all of the things that happen, the economy, uh, you know, the, the attitude of the people, uh, sicknesses, the darkness that covers the earth, all of that, it really has nothing to do with you. Uh, I mean, in a sense, it's not there for you. But we are walking alongside uh, of, of people in a world who are moving into a judgment cycle, and you can't help but feel that. Um, you know, there's, a, there's certainly an atmosphere that accompanies that, and you can't help but be sensitive to that atmosphere. <clears throat> but the third thing is this, and, and we're, we're just talking about the why, God always has a purpose. He always has a purpose in, in what he's doing. Uh, it, it's never just random events in the world. It's never, uh, you know, God is unaware. There's always a reason why things happen the way they do. Always. You have to understand that there always is a reason. And all things work together for good to them that love him. There's not always an apparent reason as you're going through it or as you see things happening. It may not always be apparent. You wonder why in the world this is taking place. And, you know, it, it takes sometimes time uh, because it, it's true that uh, things very often are either revealed or experienced. And we we have to wait on both of those things sometimes just to really understand what's taking place. Because Brother Random taught us that modern events are made clear by prophecy. So if it's the word, then we're either going to experience it by revelation or by experience. So you look at the birth of Jesus, for instance, back in the day. When, when Jesus was born, there were, very, there were Brother Random said, you could count them on one hand, the amount of people who had a revelation of, of the Christ child being born on the earth. And everyone else had to had to know it by experience. They had to see Jesus, or they had to visit the the, the uh, stable, or whatever else. And that's experience. That's not revelation. And so we 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 know that there are t there are things unfolding as as each day passes, and we will learn either by revelation or by experience what it is that's going on. It doesn't matter which way, really, as long as we learn. 
as long as we know. And when we know, we, re we respond in the right way. Now, <clears throat> the reproach, uh, reproach for the cause of the word. Brother Branham said that every man comes to Christ must first be child trained for the purpose that God has ordained you for. This is a really important statement, all right? And I want you to hold on to this idea of training. Remember, if you can just keep quiet, he doesn't say keep busy. He says keep quiet. If he has called you, there is nothing can keep it from happening. You're born for a purpose. Nobody can take your place. God's will, God's word will triumph. This is, there is where every Christian ought to stand and trials will come up. Everybody said amen. But remember, God has a purpose and it will, and it all will work right. I really like that. I've, I've hung on to this statement this week. You're born for a purpose. Nobody can take your place. God's word will triumph. There is where every Christian ought to stand and trials will come up. But remember, God has a purpose and it will all will work right. That's really, really important for us to maintain. There's another thing to put in your back pocket as well. I think that's a very positive statement. Here's another one along the same line. Brother Branham said what it takes to overcome all belief. When God speaks to, to a man, he has faith. This is when God speaks now and God, God reveals, God shows something. A man then has ambition, he has a purpose. When God speaks to a man, he gives him a purpose. And when God speaks to a man, he gives him faith to do it to accomplish or achieve what his purpose in life is. What God called him to do. He's called us to be in the church of God. He's called us, let me say, uh, to be a member of the bride of Christ. He's called us to accomplish certain things here for the kingdom on this earth. He's called you to reflect Christ in a dying world. He's called us to uh, be a witness of the grace of God and the deliverance of God and the escape that God provides. He's called us to be a voice in a world that's full of all kinds of contradictory voices. He's called us to be strong in the faith. He's called us to be bold in our uh, believing that, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's called us to be confident in his promises and to lay hands on people and pray for the sick. He's, he's, he's called us. He's given us a purpose. But God doesn't just give you the purpose. He gives you the strength to fulfill the purpose. He gives you what you need to accomplish what he's called you to do. And that's what's really encouraging. Here's another one to put in your pocket. And just remember, these are all really good quotes, and I've chosen them today on purpose here. So when we think about the, the why, uh, you know, we think about the, the purpose that God has, and uh, he's accomplishing something, even if it's not immediately apparent to any of us, he's accomplishing something. And he's got a purpose, just like Moses. You know, he's he's got a he's got a job to do, but he needs he needs this experience of encountering God by the burning bush, and then he's empowered. He's not only got the promise and he's got the commission, but now he's got the power to do it. The dunamis, and he's off. You know, one man army down invading Egypt there and and accomplishing the whole purpose that God had intended for for Israel as a nation and for him as a person. And uh, that's an extraordinary thing. That's a supernatural part. Uh, that God can play. All right. <clears throat> but there's a lot of people now, there's a lot of people who really do not understand the ways of God. And in many ways, like I say, it, it, the, the thing that God is doing sometimes can be obscure until you actually walk on the grounds where God's fulfilling his purpose. Romans 11, and this is a, a recall from the Old Testament here, the, oh, the depth and riches of uh, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. 
Brother Branham said it like this. He said, and he was talking about, uh, you know, how God does things. He said, I don't know. Don't ask me. I can't explain it. And there's nobody else can explain it. God's ways is past finding out. You just can't find it out. There's no need of trying to figure it out. You just believe it. That's all. And you see the results. You see what God does. You know, by all accounts, you know, you look at uh, my father-in-law this week and in the hospital, 94 years old, pneumonia, the virus and other conditions here, walks out of there on Friday afternoon. And hey, listen, I, I mean, it's just there's nothing short of a miracle there for for that to be accomplished. No one we I, I will tell you that. Uh, that's just not what we expected to him to leave the hospital on Friday. But I'm thankful, and, and we're praising God for what he did there. Uh, God's ways are past finding out, and how, how God does what he does, how God got the, all the Israelites back into Israel in our time, uh, in our day. I mean, it's, it was just absolutely supernatural. In Psalm 128, David said, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. Now, here's what's interesting. We read on top there in Romans 11 that his ways are past finding out. And then he says in Psalm 128, we are blessed when we walk in his ways. Psalm 145 says the Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. So whatever God is doing, it is righteous. It is correct. It is holy and it is true. And it is the best way, all right, whenever God does it. But we also know, too, that... Uh, God is, he does not always come down and explain to everybody and say, all right, now listen, tomorrow I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that and then I'm going to do something else. There's no way you can figure out God. You, there's no way you can figure out how we are here past the year 2000. There's no way we can figure out, uh, you know, wh where this is all going and what God is actually accomplishing here. There are things about this time we will not know, I think, until we walk through these days on the calendar. And that's for sure. So let's take Brother Random's advice here. He said, you can't find out. There's no need to trying to sit down and figure it all out. You just believe, that's all. And you see the results. Lord, I'm, I'm walking on the steps you've ordained. I'm walking by faith into the unseen. And I believe it's going to lead us to another world. I believe there's good things ahead of all the bad things we feel. And I want you to uh, help me to have vision, have faith, and have strength to accomplish what you want me to do as long as we're here. I don't want to be spending my time wishing I was in another world. I want to be effective for the kingdom and strike at the enemy while I'm here, and then you'll take me. I believe that. But Lord, give me all I need in order to accomplish that. Whether it's to preach and whether it's to travel, whether it's to print books, whether it's to preach to my assembly and encourage people, whatever it is to do, whether it's to be a good father, whether it's to be a good provider, a good laborer, whatever it is, Lord, help me to do that. Uh, until we leave here. I want to I make steps towards the kingdom, but I want to do damage to Satan's kingdom as I'm leaving. I want to be a problem to him. So that's our, that's our desire. Uh, we we want to just believe it and just trust God for each new day. And blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord and walks in his ways. That's what I want to do and be the very best I can. It's hard, and it's becoming harder and narrower in our time. But I believe that with God, all things are possible. So let's uh, let's uh, take a look at Psalm 103, verse 7. Uh, again, he made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. Now, it's a great thing to see the acts of God. It's a great thing to have picked up manna in the wilderness or to have drunk from water that came from a rock. That'd be pretty neat. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be a wonderful thing to see the pillar of fire every day and the cloud every day. 
you know, to be your guide through the wilderness. I think that's really good. Now, stay with me now, okay? I'm going to take a shift here in a moment. Uh, so just stay with me as we look at a few scriptures and, and statements here. But here's the problem. In Psalm 106, David writes, Then they believed his, they his words, and they sang his praise. And this is uh, David describing coming over the Red Sea uh, when the Red Sea was parted. And they, they, they were so excited. They were so happy. They sang his praise. They sang the song of Moses. They danced on the seashore. They saw Pharaoh defeated and crippled. Uh, and they, they believed what, what God had said. But time proved that they were not as, uh, we'd say, in harmony with God as what they thought. Because verse 13 says, they soon forgot his works and they waited not for his counsel. When you don't believe that God is God, you will find another source of direction. Many times that source of direction comes from within. And other times it'll come from somebody who's an influential speaker. And they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and they tempted God in a desert. It wasn't long before they wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to familiar ground. Because the, the, the forward motion of the bride of Christ, the people of God, is it can be an intimidating thing because you're walking on ground that nobody's walked on. The children of Israel, they believed his words, they sang his praise. As long as God was performing, as long as God was doing, as long as they were seeing, uh, they were all excited. As long as great supernatural things happened, they were excited. But they soon forgot his works and the drudgery of day-to-day -day life and like here we are, you know, you're in your home today, you're in your, in your house and you know, it's, uh, it's, it's another day and then tomorrow's another day. And, you know, I mean, it, it just kind of rolls together in the sense it's very uneventful. It can be very unstimulating, uh, to, to be in that position here. And as a result, you can forget it's the human mind can actually forget, uh, the blessings and the good things that God has provided for us. And, this is what uh, David is writing about. They waited not for his counsel. That's the dangerous thing. So they were making turns. They were making returns uh, on their own, by their own conclusion and under their own steam. And that's a problem. So it's an important thing, as we read above there in Psalm 103, that he made known his ways unto Moses. He was, he was quick to explain things to Moses. And this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is where we're going. This is the plan. And then, of course, you look at what Moses told the people. They ignored that, but they, this is what he told them, because the word of the Lord comes to a prophet. And as a result of that, uh, I think it's important for us, too, to, you know, to pay attention to what a prophet said in our time, uh, because we'll find an explanation uh, for God's ways. All right? And that's important. Now, let's look again now. Uh, and, and let me give you a little, little example here. Uh, we find in Luke chapter 1, that all of a sudden uh, Zacharias is described here, and uh, Martha and Mary, or sorry, Mary and Elizabeth, and uh, this is the passage here in Luke one, where in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, it, it's it's uh, certainly an interesting thing because uh, you know Brother Branham tells us that when Gabriel shows up, that's a big deal. It's not a minor thing. Uh, let me just give you a little statement. I'll come back to that in a moment here. He said in the resurrection of Lazarus, they had it all figured out just how it was to be. And he's talking about Israel and their conclusions already. They, they departed from 
you know, the counsel of God and the word of God, and they had to figure it out. Okay, now this is what, if, if the first coming of the Messiah is going to happen, this is how it's going to be. And you know what? They were wrong. But God has never left himself without a testimony in the earth. And now before the coming of Jesus, God sent Gabriel down from glory. Now, you can hear of minor angels coming, but when Gabriel comes, something majors on the road. He's the archangel, and there's something great fixing to happen whenever the angel Gabriel shows up. The angel Gabriel came to Mary and told Mary what he did about how that she was highly favored of God and so forth. The angel Gabriel also showed up at the altar and standing next to Zechariah and told Zechariah that Elizabeth would have a child. A child would be John the Baptist, and he would uh, be a forerunner in, in so many words. He'd be a forerunner. And... Uh, they had prayed for many, many years for a child. Now, remember, when when Gabriel comes to Zechariah, he's old, and his wife is old. And they're past the normal season of bearing children. Gabriel tells him, he says, your prayer has been answered. Now, when you go back and you look at the original meaning of that language, and I found this to be very interesting, and I want you just to listen very carefully for a moment. It, it says, what, what, the, what the Greek actually uh, implies is that, Zechariah, the prayer you're no longer praying is heard before God. And when I heard that, I thought, wow, could it be that when somebody really sincerely prays for something, and because of time or circumstances, you think that that prayer is never going to be heard or answered, but because you made the prayer in faith, it still hangs in the presence of God. And God fulfills it even when you've given up on it. I thought, my goodness, how gracious that is, how wonderful that is. And, and this is what he's saying to Zechariah. You've prayed for a child all these years, and it's the prayer you're no longer praying. You're not asking God every day for a child because nature and time has moved on. And he says, the prayer you're no longer praying is heard. And now you're going to have that child you prayed for. Even when you're not praying for it, God's going to answer prayer because he remembers and he hears that prayer. I thought, my goodness, over, over all of my years and the things we prayed for and maybe things you've given up on and said, well, it's too late, it's too bad, it's too difficult. Things have changed. You know, we've moved on. Time has rolled on. Hey, hold on, hold on. Even if you don't remember those prayers, God does. Even if you think it's over, it's not over with God. It's not over until your, your body's changed and you're in another dimension. So you can, you can pray, you can be discouraged, and, and you, can, uh, you, know, you can feel like uh, giving up on that prayer. I would say this, stay still before God because God never forgets a blessing. God never forgets a curse. God never forgets a prayer made in faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And I would think that that's a great thing for you to hold on to. That's just a real blessing. So this is what happens when, uh, when uh, Gabriel comes to Zechariah and, uh, you know, he says, uh, you know, that, that this, is, this is going to happen. And he scares Zechariah. I mean, it says that, uh, you know, hey, he, Zechariah was absolutely terrified. He was troubled, is what the Bible says. And that word trouble means... Uh, I don't know what's going on here. And I, you know, all of these things. And, and he asked Zechariah the question. Zechariah smites him uh, dumb for the, for the next nine months. He's not able to say anything. 
and uh, he's just waiting. And in other words, if you were just an outsider looking at this situation where you have Zechariah there and he's a high priest and you know he's now uh, smitten here and he can't speak, you would look at this and say, my goodness, this is a negative thing. But later, later, uh, the Bible even speaks of this in Luke chapter 1. You'll find it in 12 and 14 there uh, where this was going to be uh, great joy and gladness for the people and, and great things were going to happen. It is true. Listen to me. It is true. I know you're listening. I, it is true that many times fear or uncertainty comes before the great things that God's going to do. Because God does things sometimes so far out in left field, and we're wondering, wow, maybe something's gone wrong. Maybe something is, you know, uh, unstable here or whatever else. It is amazing that, uh, you know, before, for instance, before the wedding supper, before the millennium and a thousand years of blissful peace with the Lord Jesus and all your family and the saints that have gone before you, there's nothing but in the time of trouble, he will hide you in his pavilion. That's the conditions we face, and and it's surrounding us. There's darkness and sickness and uh, all of the other things that that are that are going on in the world. But ahead of that is something full of joy and gladness and peace and and holiness and righteousness. But it's like we have to walk through that darkness, that little dark valley, and come out on the other side. And that's not an unusual uh, pattern for God. That is that is actually something that's very consistent with God. And uh, just an amazing thing. It's not our way, but his ways are not our ways. And so don't try to figure it out. Just believe and go forward. I like the way Brother Branham says it here. He says, faithfulness and patience go together. And and patience is the outcome of faithfulness. James 1 and 3, the trying of your faith worketh patience. There is absolutely no other way in which to gain patience. It has to come by the trial of your faith. Romans 5 and 3, tribulation worketh patience. Now, how highly God favors or regards this outworking of our patience is seen in James 1. But let patience have her perfect work, that we may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. God's will for us is perfection. And so God regards this outworking or this disciplining, this uh, dependence on, on patience and faithfulness as a tremendous asset in your life. And so you don't go ahead of God. You learn not to run ahead of him. You learn to wait on him. You learn to trust in him. You learn to reach out to him when there's no one else you can reach out to. And that perfection is patience, waiting on God, and waiting for God. Say it with me. Waiting on God and waiting for God. Most of you didn't say it with me. Say it now again together. Waiting on God and waiting for God. And that's a really great position for all of us to be in. This is the process of character development. Remember, character is the thing that's getting ready to leave the earth. Your legacy is what you leave behind. In my legacy, I want to make sure that the enemy knows I'm not here anymore because every day I was here, I did some damage to his kingdom. We spread the light. We witnessed the truth. We printed the message. We uh, you know, had a radio broadcast. We uh, encouraged somebody. We brought love and peace into the world some way or another. I want, the, I want the enemy to know that I'm gone. And so this process of character development is what this is all about. So God's got a purpose, and I need you to kind of keep that in mind. All right, God's got a purpose. Let's go a little further here before we change gears. Brother Branham said, and I've, I found this, and I prayed this, this very many times this week. He said, God, just hide us away. 
May the shades be pulled down of the cares and thoughts of this life. May we just see Jesus alone. May we know that if we could draw a picture of the love of God 10 million times more than the seas of this earth in a tube a few inches across would reach billions of miles beyond the stars. You see what he's describing. If you took all the waters of the world and multiplied it by 10 million, put it all in a tube, which is only a couple inches across, and stood it vertically over a believer, that tube would reach billions of miles beyond the stars. How that water, with all them billions of tons of pressure, trying to press down, yet the love of God is searching our hearts tonight, that he would find a little crevice to leak through, to come into our lives and give us this great power and unction beyond even man's understanding. Wow. I didn't realize it was that hard for God to bless me. And the pressure, think about this now, this pressure we feel is a different kind of pressure than Satan's pressure, but it's pressure nonetheless. It's just the good kind. It's the positive kind. And Lord, just draw the shades down every now and then and just give us that place of rest. Now, Brother Random says that this tension, he said, it, it's a part of living. It's, it's necessary, like blood pressure. You should be thankful that you have blood pressure. Not too high, not too low, but blood pressure that keeps all the blood moving to the places it needs to go and then gets back to where it needs to be. Now, let's talk about negative pressure for a moment here. Brother Branham, I, this was amazing. And this was 1948 it's in a sermon called Prayer Line. And they don't have much information about the details of this service. But it says, he says in the prayer line, you feel that pressure that's been hanging around recently the last half hour? He's saying to the people, strong. There's bound to be an unbeliever in here somewhere. God have mercy on your sinful soul. I'd be a gentleman enough to get up and walk out, wouldn't you? Now, I would before I'd hinder sick people. If belief has a pressure, unbelief has a pressure. If the love of God has a pressure, then hatred against God would also have a pressure. If believing people can change the atmosphere, then unbelieving people can change it too. And there is a pressure, a negative pressure, strong. And Brother Rams, he doesn't know who this is, but there's an unbeliever in here somewhere because that's that's a, a, a real pressure. I will tell you, ministers often feel it. Many times we don't know what it is. We don't know whether that's disagreement or criticism or unbelief or whatever else. But I will assure you, you feel it. When people come in and they're not all in one accord, one place, one mind, you feel it in the assembly. The Holy Spirit is very sensitive. And when something comes in like that to uh, tamper with the atmosphere, it is really uh, noticeable. Paul writes about it this way. Hold on. He says in 2 Corinthians 1, Our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as we are partakers, as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. So there's no suffering that God doesn't see, and there's no sacrifice that God doesn't reward. And that's what Paul is assuring the Corinthian church. Now, listen, uh, there's a difference between inconvenience and persecution. 
And uh, there, there's a difference between frustration and, uh, you know, um, uh, persecution, we'd say, and, and you know, uh, uh, a resistance to the faith. And in, in many ways in our world, um, you know, we're inconvenienced by all of this. And it's for some, I know it's harder than others. And for people who are sick, it's very hard. And I, I appreciate that very much. But there are, there are, I think, narrow times ahead. And I say that because I know what's coming on the next screen. I know, I know what I'm going to say to you next year. So I, I just, I just want to encourage you that there is pressure in the world and there always has been uh, through the ages. In the end time, it's increasing and there's going to be more. But I believe it is all not negative pressure. That's a double negative. It is, there's going to be negative pressure, but there's also going to be the, the opposite positive pressure of Almighty God for our sake to move us where we need to be moved. Now let's watch this, all right? I want you to stay with me here. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came in to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. I mean, it got so bad at that particular point, Paul's describing, that, I mean, we seriously wondered whether we were going to live through it. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. So let's talk about the, the why. Let's, let's talk about the, the why of this thing. Now, what you're looking at here is the second tallest mountain in the world. It's called K2. It sits on the border between Pakistan and China. I've been there. And uh, I've seen this mountain. And it, it is, when, when we come to this idea of uh, the countdown and the pressure that uh, Brother Brandon refers to, and he uses this word many, many times. He uses this principle many times. Uh, he talks about, uh, you know, different realms and uh, we could have drawn them out here, but there are birds who fly high in the sky and that's their domain. That's where they live. They're pressurized to live up there. He talked about eagles who are uh, pressurized to live really high and to go above most birds. He said most birds would fall apart if they got up there. Uh, then there are uh, spaces, you know, a dimension on the earth where uh, where we live and where most mammals live. And there's a range. They say that uh, a human being can live up to 20,000 feet. That's pretty high. Uh, we, we don't feel comfortable at 20,000 feet, uh, but uh, we, we, can, we can actually survive there. But down below, there is another uh, dimension in the ocean, in the waters where the fish live. And some fish are, you know, they're designed, they're just built to live in very, very low depths of the water. And uh, they're built to withstand the pressure that's there. You take any one of those three, you take the, the bird life above and the mammals and you take the, the fish down below and move them around and put them in a different atmosphere. You know, we say they're still on the earth, but they wouldn't survive. You took an eagle and put him down the bottom of the ocean, he's going to have trouble. And you took some of those deep water fish down there, the ugly ones, and brought them up on top of the mountain here, uh, they're going to have problems, all right? And uh, you, are, you are pressurized. God made us to live uh, in a certain realm. We're not meant to live in the ocean. We're not meant to live, uh, you know, way up in the sky like that. We are pressurized for the place we live. So God's made provision. Now, here's the thing. And here's the thing I'm proposing to you. Uh, we, are, we are not meant to stay here. We are meant to leave and go to another place. We are meant to call, we are called to go higher. And we are meant to live in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
Well, how in the world does that happen? How do we get there? Now let's take a look. This mountain, K2, is one of the most dangerous mountains in the world. It's very rarely climbed. Uh, this is a book that was written uh, years ago, was Life and Death on K2. And part of it, uh, and, and the dilemma that I'm learning about here a little bit, is that uh, it's one thing to climb a mountain, but it's certainly another thing to go back down. Going back down is equally or even more treacherous than going up uh, because it's easy to fall and tumble and all the other things that happen. Uh, if storms come and they come very quickly at the altitudes there uh, of K2, then you're, you're going to have to move quickly. And moving quickly on an ice-covered mountain way up there uh, is not a very pleasant thing to have to do. And so many, many people uh, die when it comes to coming down the mountain. And uh, it, it's, it's really quite a study. And this book is about that uh, whole phenomena there. And uh, let me tell you, it's, it's an absolutely beautiful sight to behold, but it is a very, very dangerous mountain and one that uh, was not even uh, climbed first time, I think, until the 1950s. This is Mount Everest. Now, I've talked to you about Mount Everest before. It's the highest peak on the face of the earth. It's actually changing. It's, it's changing its height a little bit because of the movement of the plates on the earth. It sits between China and, uh, and uh, India. And uh, this, this scene, uh, I mean, it, it really doesn't do it justice at all. Uh, the warmest days on top of Mount Everest, when it gets really heated up in Mount Everest, it's about minus 18 Celsius on the peak of Mount Everest. That's about the warmest it ever gets. Now, look, uh, these are just facts here, and I, I don't want to bore you with facts, but I thought I, I'd give you this picture here. I've never shown you this one before. I took this picture. And this is on a mountain or a, 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 a trek that we did uh, in Nepal in 1979. Mount Everest is in the background. Many, many, many times you can't see it because it's so cloudy. You're way up in the clouds. Matter of fact, you're almost looking down at clouds many times as well. And these are uh, these are the the row of mountains that are there. I mean, it's it's breathtaking. There's no words to describe it. There's absolutely nothing I could say that would convince you of how grand and how beautiful this actually is. Now, if you if you notice here, I just want to show you this um, this girl right here. Uh, this girl right here. Sorry was on the, on the trek with us. Okay. She was, um, she went on that truck with us 11,000 miles across, uh, Asia and Europe. And, uh, she was from Australia and this other girl here was a friend of hers. And I, I'm not really sure who she was. The other three here are Sherpa guides. They're locals. So they live in the mountains. And I want you to notice for these guys, Hey, they're just dressed in a sweater, not even buttoned up here. Uh, you know, there it, it's, it's just amazing how much of a normal part of a day this is. And you know what? These guys have lived here. Their bodies have adapted to a different altitude than the other girls who are here. And, um, they, they don't find this stressful at all. I will tell you being up there on the mountain that day, uh, it was stressful. If you fly to Denver, Colorado, it's stressful because of the altitude change that's normal there. And, uh, they were, they were, we were up on top of the mountain there. This is before we began our trek. And, uh, you know, you, you get a little sense here of the down on the right down here, you see the, the little valleys and so forth. Uh, and there's little villages and so forth that cling onto the side of the uh, mountains there. It's extraordinary to see how people live. 
But whenever you're in the region of Everest, there's always something above you because the mountains are so incredibly high way up in the clouds. It's just amazing. Now, let me show you this picture. You've never seen this one. This is K2 in the background. And uh, this is Pakistan right here. Brother Anwar might remember this. This is K2 at 8,611 meters. And uh, it is the second highest mountain in the world. It's located on the China-Pakistan border. And Brother Anwar could tell us about this over here. The elevation is 28,000 feet. It was first ascended in 1954. And it's because it's, it was so technically difficult. And they, they were trying to uh, develop equipment to get up there. This is me right here in the brown T-shirt over here. And what we're doing is uh, we're trying to hurry up this Pakistani woman here and wait until she's done at the well. And then we want to pump well water out of the well in our uh, jerry cans and fill up uh, the, uh, the load for our, our travels that day. We're in the truck. The guy next to me is the driver of the truck. And this is just another lad, a British lad who was with us here. And we're just standing around waiting for this woman to get her water. And then we wanted to fill up our cans. But in the background is K2. It's interesting because when you're there, uh, you know, in a sense, it almost becomes common to see some of those extraordinary mountains uh, because, you know, you're just living there day to day. And we drove all all through those mountains and uh, it was just uh, just absolutely incredible. But that's that's a scene from 1978, uh, 1978. Uh, right at the end of 1978 is when, when this actually was taken. 1979, right in, right in the beginning of 79, uh, right through that time period. Now, I, I'm, there's a point to this, all right? Hold on here. This is uh, Tenzing Norgay and, uh, on the right, and he was a Sherpa guide who was the second man on top of Mount Everest. And this is uh, Sir Edmund Hillary, who was the first. He was, he's on the left-hand side of your picture and uh, they went up there uh, in the mountain. And this is the man, uh, Tenzing Norgay, who I, met, who I saw in the marketplace in uh, Darjeeling. And this is where he lived. His house was in Darjeeling. He died in 1986. I saw him in 1978 uh, when we were traveling up through there. And uh, he was an old man at that particular time. And uh, he was, uh, you know, just a real local and I remember somebody pointing him out, and I, we never got to meet him. Like, we never had a picture or anything with him. But somebody pointed out that he was there. And uh, then, of course, in 1986, he passed away. But he was a very, uh, very uh, talented and, and uh, gifted mountain climber. He's one of the locals there and uh, got uh, Edmund Hillary up to the top of the mountain there, became famous for that. There is a, uh, a story in 1996 that was told about a group of people that went up on top of Everest. And uh, some of these folks that were there were very experienced guides. And they died because uh, they were not able to stay up on top of the mountain uh, when a storm blew in. And they had uh, a a kind of a backlog of people uh, going up on the mountain there. There was a a crunch of people there. And they had unexpected uh, storms and overcrowding at the summit. And they had altitude sickness. Now, I will guarantee you that when it comes to Mount Everest here, uh, just let me give you this little background here. The temperature is brutal. It's a very, very inhospitable environment. All right. There's uh, this is no place to live. And uh, the winds are very often jet stream or hurricane uh, level winds. Uh, They fly in the upper altitudes of our world and we don't feel them very often. But 
Um, it is it is extremely uh, dangerous wind up there on the top. They have avalanches, and they also have glaciers that move uh, in that uh, in the slopes of the mountains there. So it's a very hostile and dangerous place for sure. But there's nothing as dangerous as the lack of oxygen. So for a human being to go up there, uh, the lack of oxygen, you have about one-third oxygen, one-third the level of oxygen on top of Mount Everest as you do uh, at sea level. And they call that region where you're up that high, they call it the death zone. And there are uh, definitely uh, you know, consequences for being in an environment where there's not enough oxygen over time. You have this thing called hypoxia where uh, the brain just doesn't get enough oxygen and it swells and there's all kinds of uh, you know, medical things that take place. The point is this, is that you're not going to last in that environment unless you're trained unless you have the equipment, unless you're, uh, you go through the steps necessary to be on that level, okay? Well, then you ask the question, well, how do people climb Mount Everest? Well, let's take a look at this little drawing here. This is, this is the summit of Everest up here, and this is the main base camp. It's at uh, 17,000 feet. Most people can live in the 17,000 feet without any oxygen, and when you, when you travel in this area, and I was down in this area right here. When you travel down here, uh, there's a roadway that takes you up to the base camp, and then you hike up a certain distance. You, uh, it takes a long time, but you have to hike up to the base camp. The idea of the base camp, and it's a large area, is for you to be your body to begin to acclimatize to to less oxygen, and so your your blood uh, the blood oxygen level changes, and you're able to pull. Uh, oxygen from the blood in order to exert yourself and climbing in that environment is very, very strenuous. And so you wait there and you exercise there and you live there until your body adapts. And then you move a little higher. You notice this camp right here is uh, closer to the base camp than the base camp is to the bottom of the, of the mountain where the town is. So you're going to ascend a little bit more up the mountain and stop at a base camp, acclimatize. Then you see the next base camp is a little ways from there. You're going to do the same thing. You're going to, this is the advanced base camp. You're going to wait there, rest, let your body adjust. You're going to train. You're going to make sure everything's okay. They do all the examinations there. Make sure you're fit for another level. You go another level. See how close these camps are? All the way through. It's not really proportional. But the camps all become closer. The stops become closer as you get to the top because it's a higher altitude and there's less oxygen at every stop. At every turn, there's less oxygen here. More down here, and I can handle this kind of a walk. But I'm going to have more trouble the higher I go. So the camps or the rest places become, the stopping places become a little closer together. So you can see on the way up, there are many places where we just are in a holding pattern, where we just stop. I hope you're thinking spiritual now. If we are to ascend higher, you have to adjust to the higher level. And God is fulfilling his word. God's got a purpose. But it's not just, all right, the seals are open. We just make a mad dash and we go across into, into glory. No, we ascend a little higher. We adjust, we wait on God, move a little higher. Pillar fire moves, we move, we wait, we adjust. Pillar fire moves, we move with it, but then we wait and we adjust. We wait and we adjust, we wait and we adjust. And there's a point where we make the last attempt, the last assault 
and we get in through the gates at the end of the path. All right. This is what it looks like in a base camp when they're resting and they just spend their time there together and their, uh, their bodies are adjusting. They'll, uh, you know, they'll rest or they'll walk a little bit and exercise. They'll do different things that helps to get their heart working and so forth. This is the idea that they're not just making one mad dash here all the way up the mountain, but they've got to go through this process of training, letting their bodies adjust, letting everything fall into place, and then they can go a little further and a little further. And if they don't do that, and you can imagine how important this would be for them coming back, but going up, they have to uh, make these adjustments all the way through. Now, I'm going to say this. You may, not, you may not have thought about it this way. In 1963, we had what we needed to get to heaven. I believe, I believe rapturing faith lays in the word. It lays in Christ, okay? I believe we had it. But we could not have taken the mountain back in 1963. Many of you were not even born. Many of us never even understood at all what the message meant. But you know what? We've adjusted. We've climbed. We've adjusted. We've climbed. We've understood. We've climbed. We've learned patience in God. We've climbed, and we've learned to rest. We've climbed, we've learned to stand still and wait on God. We climbed, our faith has climbed. We're getting to a place where, you know what? Whatever it takes. We've climbed a little bit further. And you know what? We realize we are closer to home. There's an excitement that builds as you get closer to the summit. There's an excitement that happens because, you know what, I, it's, it's, it can't be much farther, and I can begin to see it on a clear day now, and I can, I can, I can, I'm anxious to go. There's a pressing that goes on. Let me give you a couple of statements here, if you don't mind. Genesis 14. And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants. That's the word found in the Hebrew there, which means that uh, the servants were not just sitting around and uh, pouring coffee for everybody, but they were actually training for uh, the possibility of different uh, things that happen in life. I believe God's been training us as his children. I believe he's been training us. And when the time came for Abraham to go with his servants to go rescue Lot, they were ready. They were not saying, oh, wow, where's my gun? And and uh, you know what? I need to get a new pair of boots. Uh, this That was not the case. They were trained. They were ready to go. And I believe that God has been training the bride of Christ over these years and, and preparing us, moving us higher, and allowing us to adapt to the season and the time of darkness that we live in and moving up all the time, watching the world fall apart, not intimidated by this, not intimidated by that, not intimidated by elections, not intimidated by, uh, you know, the financial system. Yes, it's around us. Yes, it's there. But you know what? I've got a journey. I've got a destination. I've got a mountaintop to, to climb up on. And we've been adjusting and growing in faith and going higher all the time. Little at a time, little at a time, but it's all right. We're moving in the right direction. For us, there's no coming back. There's no coming down the mountain. It's all moving in the same direction. The deity of Jesus Christ. Brother Random says, which way are you going this morning? What are you training for? Good question. He said, I don't care what group of life you you're belong to. He says, you're going to go back to eternity one of these days, and without Christ, your soul is lost. So we are being trained. We are moving to a, the unseen. We're moving to a realm today. Now, let me, let me uh, give you a little statement here you've probably never seen. In Countdown, 1962, and Brother Rams talking about astronauts. He said, do you know astronauts is really nothing new, is no new thing? What about Elijah? 
If he wasn't an astronaut, I've never seen one. He went, he went where John Glenn never thought about going. So the idea of transcending this world into the dimension of God is not a new idea. Watch what he says now. Well, they had one took off in slow motion one time. His name was Enoch. He just walked on up. But he was an astronaut. Sure. He was pressurized. He didn't have to be changed. Nothing. No, he was already pressurized when he started walking. Just walk right on out of all the dimensions and everything. Walk right out in the presence of God. Glory to God. Here's, Eli, here's Enoch, and he's already pressurized. He's, he's, he's living on this earth. Physically, he's on this earth. But he's moving higher in faith because we know by faith God took him. By faith he was translated, right? And this is exactly where he's going. This is exactly where he knows what's happening. He knows this is the end. He knows this is going to be a takeaway somewhere here pretty soon. And went through everything he did. Hey, Noah was not the only one who was grieved by the sins of, of uh, his world. And here's Enoch looking at all of that and looking at all the uh, all the negativity in the world around him. And all of that time, he's being pressurized. He didn't have to be, uh, he didn't have to go through, uh, you know, when, when the flood came, he didn't have to go through all kinds of things there. God had him ready. In other words, he was training prior to the cycle of judgment kicking in in a major way. He was already pressurized when he started walking. So finally, God said to him, all right, we're going to take the last few steps now. We're going to take the summit. And we're gonna we're gonna ascend up a little bit higher. You know what? He's he's not he's not starting that journey. He's ending that journey, and he's already pressurized to do it. I believe that the pressure we feel today is a pressure to prepare us, because one day we're going to take that final step. The summit is within sight, and on a clear day, when all your troubles are pulled back away, on a clear day we can see the goal, and that ought to stimulate faith in every heart. And he just walked right out on the last part, left his last base camp uh, on this earth and walked out and God took him for he was not. Glory to God. I, I just think that's a wonderful thought, a wonderful way of looking at it. So here's Paul in Philippians. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in, in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this even unto you. I believe that that means something like this, that we're not going to leave the base camp until God's ready for us to leave it. We're not going to ascend higher until we are conditioned for the level we're at, because we're pressurized for the level we live on. You're being pressurized for another kingdom. You're being pressurized for another place. And you're doing it day by day by day by day, adjusting. You're, you're adjusting your thinking. You're being transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind. All of those things are steps in the process of perfection or transformation that's going on. And Paul says, I press because I've got a goal. I've got a, I've got a destination. I've, yes, I've got problems. They're all around me. Yes, there are sicknesses. And yes, there are trials and all of the other things that are going on. And yes, I don't know whether I'm going to have a job tomorrow. I know that. I live in a world that's as tipsy as it probably, uh, you know, we've ever seen in time. And, uh, you know, the, the certainty is gone out of uh, the world we live in. Uh, the things we can count on, things we can bank on, things that are solid and true. 
The foundations seems like have been kicked out. But I will tell you something. That's not my goal. Straightening out this world is not my goal. And living peacefully in this world is not my goal. I am being pressured for another place, another dimension. And it's called the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I believe that we are going through what we are going through in order to prepare us to get there. Not to remain here, but to get there. Listen. My Redeemer liveth. Brother Random talked about Joseph back in Genesis when he, when he died, and he said, don't leave my bones here. He said, take me up in the promised land. Why? Why did Joseph say that? He said there was something in him that had the same vision that Job had and the rest of them had, no matter what the rest of the world thought, and had nothing to do with Joseph and Abraham and Isaac and so forth. Something pressed to that promised land. Something pressed him to the promised land even if he was dead. That's amazing. If he's alive, God's going to lead you back. Even if I'm dead, take me back. Because I want to experience the resurrection, and I've got to be in a certain place to, to experience that. It seemed fanatical, but they wanted it because there was something in them. It was a deep calling to deep. And that's the way it is today with every believer. Something in them that presses to it. You know beyond the shadow of a doubt there's a city. And you know there's something there, so you press to it. That is our commission. Again, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I was thinking a few minutes ago about science, and Brother Ram talked about you know splitting the atom and all the different things that went on. Second paragraph. If the natural man could do that, split the atom in the natural, what ought the man of God ought to be doing? Friends, the church is so far behind. Let's pray. This is 1949. Let's pray that God will move his church up. The natural man with the natural resource is getting greater results than the people that call themselves Christians. Let's, let's press into the unseen. Glory. I, I, I just I want to encourage you today. Let's move on up. God wants to move the church up. God wants to take us to a higher base camp. God wants to take us. One day, he'll take us the last step out of that base camp. He'll take us out of that position and have us make the last steps like Enoch did into another dimension. That's going to happen. I believe it's by faith. I believe it's going to happen, and there's nothing, there's no power that's strong enough uh, to take that away from the bride of Christ. That's our promise. That's our reality, and that's our destination. So his words are very simple. Let's press into the unseen. Let's let those things that are behind us, let them remain behind. Let's, let's uh, press on uh, to that dimension here. Yes. We have to make a living. Yes, we had to wear a mask. Yes, we had to wash our hands. All of those things are essential and important. I believe that. But let's press to the unseen. Bigger, as Brother Aaron said on Wednesday night so well, we have the grand picture. We have the, the, the overview, the oversight of the picture here. And just in the same way that we're able to see by map, we're able to see what's left. We're able to see uh, in a sense, what, what the destiny is. We, we don't really know what time, but you know what? That doesn't matter because the word will lead us there. Remember this statement? The word will actually get us there. And it, it, is, uh, it is something that, that lays ahead of us. The word, excuse me, will lead you across. The word will lead you across because the word is, is Christ. And so stay right with it. Stay behind it. Stay with the guide. Don't get in front of it. Stay behind it. Let it lead you. Look, I, I will tell you something. I've traveled across Asia in, in the back of a truck, and um, there is absolutely no way we would have done it without a guide. 
all these people that climb Everest and climb the, the mountains there, they, they, have, they have to hire a guide. And if you lose everything else, you don't want to lose sight of your guide. You don't want to lose sight of your guide. Last two screens here. I've heard, but now I see. 1965. Brother Bram's quoting the scripture. I'll give them a sign. Now we find that in these hours of real stress, that's usually when the Spirit of God moves in. He lets the, he, he let the Hebrew children walk right into the fiery furnace, never moved a hand. But when he moves, he moves. <laughs> Glory, I like that. We find it in real hours of stress. I was somebody was in Ireland was asking me this week how things were going, and uh, you know they know Sister Becky and I, and I was just sharing you know how things were and just being honest and and sharing how things were, and and he said. He said exactly this. I don't know whether he's reading this message or not, but he told me, he said, he said, it's in those darkest times. He said that that's, that's when you find God moving. That's when you find God picking it up and moving it. And it's amazing. Sometimes we look and we see, you know, God isn't doing anything. He isn't moving a hand, but when he moves, he moves. When he, when he gets up from the throne, he gets up from the throne. And, and that's such a comforting thing to know that he never takes his eye off us. He watches us. He watches over us. And it's just incredibly important for us to just to continue to believe that. You don't need to be telling what God, God what to do. He watches you. He knows what you need. He knows when you need it. He knows when to move. And he knows when you need to stay still and to acclimatize and adjust. He knows when you need to be transformed. And he knows how to do that. Take this as your as your little sentence this week. But when he moves, he moves. I like that. Let me leave you with this little statement. I've left you with a pocket full of great statements this week. I wish we could have had this service in the church, but we, we, we couldn't. And we're just praying for all those people that are, you know, being tested and people are quarantined and people, several. We just felt like it would be dangerous for us to come back in the assembly and, and, uh, uh, spread things around. We don't want to do that. We're hoping to be able to get back on, on track again real soon. But let me say this. brother. Here's Brother Ram's statement in 1953. Brother, sister, as long as down in my heart, through the black clouds of torment, trials, and troubles, if I can feel the Holy Spirit press through once in a while and give me a blessing, I know the power of God still lives and reigns somewhere, even if it's not always directly over my head. He said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. And I believe that he's with us. He cares for us. Take these statements. Put them in your pocket. Brother Ron Knobloch just texted me and said, my pockets are overflowing. A lot of good statements here today. I Let me tell you, listen, listen in, in this season, in this little, and, and this is what it's like climbing the mountains, they say. They get to the base camp and very often when bad weather comes in, it'll come very quickly because of the jet stream. They have to hunker down. And they can do nothing else but just hunker down. And there's black clouds and, and winds and cold temperatures, bitterly cold temperatures. And they just hunker down and wait there until the storm has passed. The mountain is still there. The destiny is still there. And God is still there watching over them. But we, there's a season where you have to hunker down. You, you just, you get, we got to get through this. And sometimes you're so anxious to get to the top, but you need to have patience. This is exactly what Brother Random's trying to tell us. And I'm just drawing an analogy here with the mountain 
climbing here. Because some of you I know are very interested and keen on uh, climbing uh, climbing the mountains there and part billy goat. But I, I will tell you this: you need to keep in mind that it doesn't hurt to ask and pray this way. That Lord, just let me feel the Holy Spirit press through. Let let us know, Lord, that you're there. Let grant a blessing, grant a blessing, grant a, a miracle, a touch. I I just was so. Uh, I was blessed this week, you know, to see how God touched Brother Fulcher. I don't know what else it is. I don't know what else it could be. I mean, he's got a time on the earth, and it wasn't this week. And I'm, we're just going to have to trust God each day for his mercies and and uh, believe that, you know, God's able to do a miracle. And for some people right now listening to my voice, it's hard, and I know that. But we're just going to believe and trust with you that God will press through Grant you a blessing, just like when Daniel prayed, and and uh, you know it took days for for the Holy Spirit to to get to Daniel. Let me say this. Let me encourage you, just like in the days of Zechariah. You pray and seek God about things that you have need of, even if you don't think that applies anymore, or you think God's not doing anything, or circumstances have changed. You remember this thing that God never forgets a prayer. And even the prayers you don't pray for anymore, God can answer because he knows what's best. And all things work together for good to them that love God. Be strong, be positive, just be on guard to let the Holy Spirit speak to you and and give you guidance. This is our time to keep our eyes on the guide. This is a very, very critical time for us to follow him. And if he says, hey, we got a little time in base camp, great. We got a little time now. We're going to move up the mountain a little bit. Great. We'll we'll take his leadership. You know what? Because I've never climbed this mountain before, and I need the guide. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word and the promises and the message, Lord, that so inspires us to press to the unseen. And Lord, there are many people, Lord, that are hunkered down in a base camp of some sort, Lord. It might be because of sickness. It might be because of a storm in their life. It might be because of negative things that have happened. But Lord, you are still God and you're above the clouds. You're above the storm. You're above every situation we face. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, that you would show yourself, manifest your goodness and your mercy and your miraculous power in our lives, Lord, in your season. I pray that you would just continue, Lord, to build faith in our hearts that we might go higher. Not just faith, but great faith. Not just faith, but rapturing faith, Lord. Faith that gives us the inspiration to press up the mountain a little further, going to the next place of rest. And Lord, may we wait upon you and keep our eyes upon the guide. Father, we just desire, Lord, to reach that goal, but we don't want to reach it dangerously. We know we'll never reach it prematurely. But as the bride of Christ, Lord, we want to walk in step. We want to walk in harmony because we know you have an order for the crossing of the river. Heal those that are sick, I pray. We commit them to you. Heal those that need your healing touch, Lord. May nothing stand in the way of their healing. Father, may you take away all fear, all doubt, all of the discouragement that goes with these uh, sicknesses that people feel, how the enemy would come and whisper doubt into our ear. We curse that in the name of Jesus. Just pray that you would be gracious and merciful. Have your way now, we pray. Bless the assembly, Lord. Bring us back at the appointed time. Strengthen each individual and thereby strengthen every family and thereby strengthen our church. Guide us in your will, we pray. Bless those who are overseas and 
struggling to spread the message, Lord, in these difficult times. Father, we just want to thank you and say that we love you with all of our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that we're going up the right mountain. Thank you that we're on the way to the right destiny. May, Lord, you just bless the people. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ and for your glory. Amen. And all the people said, we'll let you say amen. May God bless you. We'll be in touch uh, this week again. And just remember to pray for those folks that are needing a touch from God. You know who most of them are. And uh, we just pray that the Lord will be with you through this week and protect you and keep you safe. And uh, bless our young people, all of those who are in the medical field. We commit them into God's hand and God's care. God bless you.